Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Referendum Season 5 with lead analyst Jesse J, and I'm your host, Big John, brought to you by FinFlam Sports. Today, we're back with our bi-weekly review of the XFL, recapping Weeks 5 and 6 of the league, and talking about some of the biggest headlines heading into Week 7 as we give our predictions <clears throat> on the games coming up, among other things. We're back with Jesse J. Jesse, how you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um... Any thoughts about before we actually get into it? Any any big things sticking out about the XFL before we get into the actual podcast? Uh, I think what we've seen is the quality of play has significantly gotten better from the first few weeks, and this is this was to be expected considering that these teams didn't have much time together. We we've seen a big jump in the actual quality of play, and I think it's I think it's been pretty good. And I overall I think the XFL is what we thought it could be, and it's a it's a it's a good league. That it's going to have its faults and it's going to have its its problems, but overall, I think it's good for football and good for the fans that it seems to be growing and getting better as a product. I agree, and I, and I was wondering, are they going to have to do some type of thing next year? Oh, well, next year, and I say that next year because something historic was announced um, this week, and that's that we know it was coming, but it's been confirmed as of recently there will be another season of the XFL according to The Rock and Danny Garcia. That's huge news. So, with that being said, do you see the XFL implementing some type of preseason for these guys so they can get established a lot better before actual gameplay when the season begins? Or is it just going to be like the same every year then? Where they're not going to have any chemistry, they're going to have to go through this bullshit, or how do you think it's going to happen? So, I think it's going to be interesting because I think they're going to try to open themselves up to guys who are kind of practice squad type guys who maybe try to sign on with a 50 or a 90 man roster when, uh, for example, in the NFL, once the season ends, a team can sign practice squad players and guys not on, on a roster to a reserve contract to be on their 90 man roster in the off season for the next season. I think what we could see is the XFL trying to maybe get some of those guys to come to the XFL and play season, a season in the XFL uh, in an attempt to kind of build up their profile. That's right. where the issue, I think, comes into play, is that I don't think you're ever going to 
fully get a big training camp in like an actual preseason for the XFL. But I think this experience of having a few weeks to get ready for the season and then the actual transition into the season, I think the coaches getting experience and learning how to prep their players is a bigger win for the XFL than the actual knowing where players are going to be from season to season. I agree with that. So long-term contractual agreements, they need to have them. Yeah, I, I think the XFL, if you're the XFL, the best thing you can do is try to get as many quality players as you can. If that means you have to kind of wait so that you can maybe get some of those back-end fringe roster NFL-type guys to play in your league, right. I think that's what you have to do. I think it's going to be hard to kind of get guys committed to playing in the XFL because obviously they want to make it to the NFL. And then guys who are kind of at the fringe of the NFL want to stay in the NFL. But I think the more guys that can convince that, hey, if you can raise your profile, you can raise your stock by playing in the XFL. I think that's what they're going to do. And I think the coaches have the experience of what it takes to get your team ready to play an XFL game. I think all of this is important experience that will help the league be better quicker next year. Well, and, and saying that is you got four head coaches in the XFL right now who are deep in experience, whether it's Wade Phillips, Jim Hazlitt, um, who else we got? Um, Reggie Barlow and my God, I'm drawing a blank here. Bob Stoops. Um, those guys know how to coach football players. So, I mean, they wouldn't be going to any scrub team with a scrub coach. You would think not, right? Yeah, no, I, I think what we've seen is for the most part, the coaching in the XFL has been really solid. And we've seen the teams get better from week one going into week seven. Right. And, 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 and I think, I think overall, the biggest issue was going to be okay, what are the, what's the talent level look like and how good are the coaches and can they maximize the talent level? And I think what we're seeing is they, they actually can get the most out of most of these players. Agreed. Um, I mean, and you figured the, the punter for, excuse me, the punter for the Arlington Renegades, Marquette King, tried to bring Cam Newton in this week and – and told him to just come and get the reps. We need a quarterback. I don't think, think that. I mean, I don't think. His, I think his ego's too big. But I mean, it would have been cool. But I think it also, if he didn't perform well, that could have hurt him a lot more. I also think if you're the XFL, you don't necessarily want Cam. You want guys who are younger quarterback prospects that maybe haven't had the chance where they've been overlooked, as opposed to the veteran quarterback. Because look what happened with Paxton Lynch. I think he's a prime example of. Yep. Guy who Great was point. a at one point was a was a top prospect in the NFL draft and didn't work in the NFL and then he then he's come into the XFL and it's been a complete disaster. Cam's a little bit different because Cam is a way better player than Paxton Lynch, but his body's also kind of been broken down. That I don't think he's necessarily the quarterback that is going to be the best fit for the XFL. I agree with that. Uh, moving on to our second historic thing, we had the longest pass. Of the in XFL history, uh, this past week with uh, Houston Roughnecks quarterback Cole McDonald, who threw an 86 yard uh, touchdown pass, beautiful pass. He was wide open. Um, Cole McDonald, I think, uh, you know, he's a they they for the Roughnecks, they usually before you even get to the but I just want to bring it up be, be, before anything, they always put silvers in before anybody else, but silvers wasn't performing, so they used Cole McDonald, they brought in Cole McDonald to try to see what he could do, and he did a pretty good job for the Houston Roughnecks, I thought, uh, last week. And throwing that deep bomb pass and longest pass in XFL history, pretty cool. Yeah, I think he's an interesting player. He, he's he got pretty good size. He's got a pretty good arm. He runs well. I, I think Silvers is a little bit more of a 
you know, he I think he's more of a safer option at quarterback. But I think if Houston's gonna, if Houston wants to be the best version of themselves, it has to involve Cole down either getting consistent snaps, whether it's just a, a quarterback or offensive weapon, or that them finding ways to just keep getting him involved because he's he's a fairly electric player. He is. He is. Um, and our last piece of news for historic news is uh, probably the biggest one out of everything. Game scores, all that. The XFL 3.0 has surpassed the XFL 2.0 by making it to week six. And congratulations to them and everybody involved. That goes to the team, the team players, the coaches, the staff, the owners. I mean, and, and the viewers. I think it's good for everyone. So congratulations to the league. Yeah, overall, I think what we've seen with this version of the XFL is that it's it, it maybe didn't have the television numbers that XFL 2.0 had, but I think that's to be expected because television just changed so much since 2020. And that right. I think this, this version of the XFL is much more stable, and I think it has a chance to be a long-term product. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. I think, I think the XFL will still be here, honestly. The XFL 2.0 would still be here if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the thing that I think that's the thing that really kind of destroyed. Really, it's the thing that destroyed XFL 2.0 was having the pandemic. It it just it completely destroyed XFL 2.0. But th- this version of the XFL XFL 3.0, I think what we've seen with it is that they're really starting to figure stuff out. They're they're willing to experiment. I, I think they're starting to find the kind of players they want in this league and the type of players that they can get exposure on. And I, and I think they have a little bit better of a feel for that than maybe the XFL 2.0 or the XFL, the XFL 1.0. I agree with you on that. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring up the the latest sco- the scores for we're going into. Okay, so let's talk about the good, the, the good, the bad, the fucking ugly, the beautiful, the perfect. <laughs> and first, let's get to the perfect. Perfect. DC defenders are undefeated after weeks five and six. How good are they, Jess? They look clearly like they're the best team in the NFL, and I would say, or in the XFL, and they clearly look like they have the best quarterback in the XFL, which is Jordan Thomas. Yeah, I agree. They, they just they they look like they look like they look like what a top team should look like in any type of league, whether it's the NFL, XFL, college football. They they are clearly the best coach team, and they have the best quarterback. And the the running game is is just. Phenomenal. And you figure week five against the St. Louis Battlehawks, Abram Smith had a shit ton of yards over that team, and St. Louis couldn't do shit to defend it. He had 218, 218 yards for three touchdowns. He averaged 9.5 uh, yards per carry. That's amazing. And with, with DC, the ability to have Tomu, who can beat you, he can beat you as a quarterback. He can run, he can run around a little bit when he has to. And then you have Abram Smith, who's been a really good running back who can can help he can either when they give him when they give him 25 30 carries he can beat you on the ground or like in this game they gave him 19 carries 95 yards and a touchdown he can beat you by just being a change of pace and being a complimentary player to jordan tombo and that's in the that's in the rough next game yes. week six yeah mm-hmm. and see and and people were trying to get their defenses ready for Jordan Ta'amu and, and De'Ara King, and they weren't even that big of factors when it came to running the running the ball. They didn't rush for for much in either in either of those games in week five or six. No, uh, Ta'amu focused more on throwing it for for week six against the Houston Roughnecks and against St. Louis Battlehawks, 
Abram Smith just took control of everything. Jordan Tomu has been someone who I think has really increased his stock, and I can see him being on an NFL team or at least having a chance to be a practice squad quarterback. He he's done a really nice job as DC's quarterback, and he just he he's been very efficient, and that's really all you can ask for out of a quarterback is for them to be efficient and to protect the ball, and he's right. done both of those things. He really has, you know, and he was good in the last iteration of the XFL. <clears throat> but I think with the experience, he, he's gotten a lot better and be, he's been able to control um, and, and grow his confidence, which I'm glad to see. And you yeah. figure in, in week five, he only had, I think, was it 90 yards passing? That's insane. And you figure this week, this past week against Houston, he had 245. Big difference. His and confidence, his, his, his confidence is, is setting in. And, and with him, it's not having an ego where, oh, I need to have big passing numbers. It's when I'm throwing the ball, uh, when I'm throwing the ball against St. Louis, it's 12, 18, 90 yards, just taking care of the ball, being a game manager. And then against Houston, it was, okay, I, I need to go 19 to 31, 245 yards, and be able to get it done through the air. And I think him showing a variety in his game is only going to help him in terms of being able to play in the NFL. I, I agree 100%. Are there any other standouts for you? I mean, what do you think about the defense for D.C.? I think it's pretty damn good. Yeah, I think I think it's pretty good. They did a really good job against Houston. Houston, other than, I would say, other than Cole McDonald making some big plays on them, they really did a nice job against against Houston. D- DC's defense is legit. And other than Cole McDonald making some plays, they really got after Silvers, made him uncomfortable. He threw a pick. I, I think... I think DC's clearly established himself as the top team in the XFL. Yeah, here's um, the the pick that Brandon Silvers threw in week six versus Houston Roughnecks. Um, he had a pick six against DC for that. I'm sorry. That's just so loud. Um, here's the, the clip. And there's a lot of yapping back and forth between that team. So um, good for them. Good for congratulations to DC. And this could be the, this could have been, a, this could be a preview of what's come in the XFL championship game. Oh, I agree hundred percent, which that should be interesting, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to panic for Houston, honestly. Well, the the biggest thing is silver. I silver's I think has a ceiling. He's a, at, at his height, he's a efficient quarterback that can run your offense, but I don't, I don't think he has, his floor is higher than Cole McDonald, but Cole McDonald, if he's playing his best, has a higher ceiling, and their offense is going to operate the best with Cole McDonald if he's playing at his best. Right. Well, I think that the the DC uh, for DC was coming up with a lot of different schemes that the offensive line for for Houston to protect Brandon Silvers they couldn't get. They were just letting people run right past him because they didn't know what to do. And that's where Cole McDonald helps. Is he's a, he's a much better athlete than Brandon Silvers. I agree. Uh, Brandon Silvers is a pocket passer. Cole McDonald is he's he can do a lot. He's he's versatile. That's a word. Excuse me. And you didn't see much of Derek King this week. Um, who else we got? Lucky Jackson. I mean, he consistently over the over the past several weeks, he's been really good. Yeah, I think he's done a really good job. Uh, and and I think what we're seeing is that he's becoming a favorite target of Jordan Tomu. Yes, and- he had 136 yards. And one touchdown and a beautiful pass on the sideline where he, he just kind of grazed his foot in the grass. 
Um, beautiful, beautiful skill. And and I think that's what you're going to need if you're DC is you you don't need he he had a big game in this game, but you you just need your guys to help your quarterback out. Maybe they're not always going to have big games, but when the game plan is to throw the ball, you need them to be able to execute, and he's been able to do that. Absolutely. Whether it's five catches for 136 yards this week or the week before, five catches 54 yards. Just being efficient with being efficient with your routes run and your targets and being able to catch them and just move the change or get or get touchdowns when you have to. I agree with that. And here is Coach Reggie Barlow on the win for the for the team after the game. Go. <laughs> you like football? I love football, Coach. We do too. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Okay, next we got the Houston Roughnecks for the good. No, we don't. We got the Seattle Sea Dragons. I'm sorry. Seattle Sea Dragons are on a four-game winning streak after defeating the Orlando Guardians in Week Six. How do you think the Seattle Sea Dragons looked? How do you think they're looking? Are I they looking strong? Is Ben DiNucci still making mistakes? I mean, is it? I mean, are the special teams stepping up? How do you think they're doing? I think when it comes to Seattle, I, I think they have a lot of talent, and I think it's pretty evident they have a lot of receiving talent. I don't think Ben DiNucci is going to be able to consistently get the most out of those guys. Look at in this game, he was 18 35, 177, two touchdowns and interception. That's typically not going to be good enough to be, uh, beat these XFL teams. The reason they won was they were playing Orlando, which is the worst team in the XFL. They don't, Orlando has so many problems right now and they don't really seem to believe in themselves. Yet in this game, Seattle, with I think superior coaching and superior talent, was able, they weren't able to pull away from Orlando. And a lot of it was because Ben DiNucci inefficient at the quarterback position in this game josh gordon got two targets now i don't think josh gordon he's not prime josh gordon when he was with cleveland and almost had a 2000 yard season right but i still think he's a good player and he won seattle a game earlier this season i think the biggest problem that seattle has is that ben DiNucci seems to have lost confidence in josh gordon and if ben DiNucci is going to be at his best he has to get the ball to josh gordon well ben DiNucci's a dick if you see him bitch on the sideline and i'm surprised that just shows that Josh Allen, um, no, Josh Allen, I'm sorry, Josh Gordon doesn't have a, a huge ego like some of these other superstars do. If it were me, just as my pride would take over, I would never allow somebody like Ben DiNucci to fucking yell at me and and, and gripe and, and cuss me out and tell me to get the fuck out the game, which he's done to Josh Gordon. He treats, honestly, he treats Josh Gordon like shit. And I'm surprised, it, I'm surprised that he stands for that. It, it To me, it just doesn't make sense if you're Ben DiNucci why you're not trying to get the ball to Josh Gordon. I know Seriously. people might counter the L. Well, maybe he's lost them like that. I think we've seen this year. Josh Gordon's had big games, and when Seattle's been at their best, Josh Gordon's had big games. Yes. Them not throwing the ball to Josh Gordon is a problem for their offense because Ben DiNucci's less efficient in this game. He's 18 35, 177, two touchdowns, and one interception. Like, th that's just not efficient enough as a quarterback. You have to be better than that. And Absolutely. that requires you getting the ball to your best player, who yep. I think is Josh Gordon. Now, but now that could go also to Orlando Guardians defense because I mean they shut down Jacor Pearson also, who's who's the leading receiver of the XFL. Yeah, or, Orlando's at times been competitive defensively, but I, I just I think this is a reoccurring theme with Seattle is that Ben DiNucci has been really inconsistent. And it's, I think a lot of it goes to the fact they're not getting the ball to their best player in Josh Gordon. And right. you look at his average yards per completion, it was five yards. Or his, I mean, uh, excuse me, his yards per attempt. It was 5.1 yards. That's, you can't have that. No. You can't have that if you're going to win. And I think it lowers what their winning opportunities will be 
if they cannot get the ball to Josh Gordon. That he he just he's a game breaker for them when he's right and Ben Denucci and him have the connection going. Well, I mean, but then that's why I wanted to mention the the defense for the Guardians. Is it Ben or is it the defense on the other side? Is it is it Orlando who who just shut them down when you shut down their number one receiver and their number one receiver in the league and their number one receiver and probably the best overall receiver at skill-wise in Josh Gordon, and they both didn't perform. Is it because of defense, or is it because of those people? Uh, if you look at it in general, though, or- Orlando, the last couple weeks, gave up 35 to the Vipers, and then in week four, they gave up they gave up 44 to the Houston Roughnecks. Oh, so I forgot they- about that game. Oh, boy. So you've given, up, you've given up 35 and 44 in the previous two weeks. I think that's an issue where, yeah, maybe maybe one offensive guy is not going to have a great day. And in this case, had Seattle looked better offensively, we could just run it off as, okay, well, they did a nice job versus Josh Gordon because they knew that's where they needed uh, to pay all their, or put all their attention to. But the fact Benucci just didn't look confident and he looked really shaky would lead me to believe it, that's just, that was more Benucci than Orlando Guardians defense. I think you asked me about his backup this week. Um, who was his backup? Or who is his backup? I do not know. I, I don't I don't I, really I believe he came in to play in uh week one. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Against the defenders, and other than that, I haven't seen them play probably a snap. Well, they've really, they've really seen and committed. They've seemed to have committed to Ben DiNucci. And looking at his backup, it looks to be Steven Montez as his backup. He was with the Washington football team a little bit in 2020 as, as a quarterback. Heineke. They, they, they clearly believe Ben DiNucci is their best quarterback. But I think that says more of their overall confidence in their quarterback, considering they don't move off Ben DiNucci after his last couple of weeks. Right. And considering he's lost them two games. Ben Ben Danucci is one, he is the most frustrating player in the XFL because when he's when he's going right and he's right, Seattle has the ability to win the XFL championship. When he's not, they're very hard to watch. Right. Just two weeks ago, he threw three picks against Houston, and they they were able to win the game because Houston couldn't get anything going offensively. But seventeen to thirty-two, two hundred nine, one touchdown, three picks versus Houston. You, they were able to come away with one, but that's just not good enough to get it done. That that's you're playing the, he the last couple of weeks he has played like one of the one or two worst quarterbacks in the XFL. Oh, absolutely, yes. Well, I mean, I mean the the standings they're right there with they're right there to to take a playoffs playoff spot if they just keep winning. But you're going to be surprised who I pick for my week seven prediction is all I'm going to say. So we'll wait till that comes 
after that. But everything you've said, I, I agree 100%. But I also would like to say that on the flip side for Orlando, while the, the Guardians did lose again for the sixth straight time, it seems that they may have found their quarterback in Quentin Dormady. Yeah, he was, he, he was, he's been much better than what he, that he probably had the single best game other than Paxton Lynch kind of having a couple long catch and run passes. It, it was probably the best quarterback play that Orlando's had all year. I mean, he went 24 for 44, 243 yards, no touchdowns. The touchdowns, I mean, all credit go, go to, goes to uh, Devin Harrington, who just fucking killed them with two touchdowns and and 82 yards, and yet a monster a monster break for for 43 to, and a touchdown. So I mean, their offense is getting better, but Quentin, Quentin Dormady is the guy for them. It's just yeah, the fact that they be. can't get out their own fucking way by getting so many fucking penalties. They they've had to average at least 12 or 13 penalties per game. And, and I think he has to be at this point. They just their quarterback play has been so bad that. <laughs> They, they at least look – he looked playable, which is more to say than Orlando's gotten consistently this year. Well, he, he looks like he, – he has a tremendous poise when he's in the pocket. He doesn't get flustered. I know, um, I know as he's coming off, he does. He, he gets bothered. You can see that in the past two games he's played that he's going off on the refs. He said this is the worst game he's ever seen called by a referee. You know, a lot of talk about the referees all, all this week. But but I, um, I think that goes to Orlando's problem, which is they just commit a lot of penalties. They had 12 for 105 in this game. You can't win like that. I feel like no. every week they have double-digit penalties. That's that's a touchdown. Mm -hmm. and, and that, when, when you have double-digit penalties like that every week, it's going to be hard to win, and that's usually the sign of an undisciplined team. But that goes on to the head coach. Uh-huh. And, and I think that's been their biggest problem is they just – I feel like a team takes on the personality of its coach. And in this case, they just kind of seem a little bit flustered and they just they seem a little bit off, which has cost them at times this season. Now, do you can you see Terrell Buckley getting canned before the season is over or is he going to earn his stripes by doing it this way? And then now they're just going to fight. I mean, they're not eliminated technically. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to move off of him immediately. I, I think they're gonna, uh, these four, these last four games are going to be important if his team completely quits on him. Uh, I think that's going to be it for him. But they did look like they had a little bit of fight this week. If they can win a game or two to end the season, I, I think that bodes well for him. And going to the next season, I, I feel like he can take some of the experiences from this season, take them into next year, and they can you, they can improve. Well, here's the elimination scenario for Orlando. They will be eliminated from the XFL playoff, playoff contention if Orlando loses to the D.C. defenders on Saturday and Arlington Renegades beat the Seattle Sea Dragons on Friday. So they, if they beat D.C. and Arlington wins, they still have a fighting chance. That that would be interesting if they just went out. Quentin Dormady is the guy for them. Their, their offense is getting better. It's just got to – they got to get out their own fucking way to win a game. Not, not to jump ahead, but I do think the Defenders-Guardians game this week is sneaky interesting. I, that's, what I, that's what I said. You'd be surprised who I pick when we go into our predictions. But, I mean, and, and shout out, we've already been over these two teams, but the other one's coming up, but – the top performers for for this week. I mean, you got to give your your head your hands. Keep your hat to Devin Harrington. Like I said, 82 yards, two touchdowns, <laughs> and and Lucky Jackson with five receptions on 136 yards and one touchdown. They did really really well. But that 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 Guardians game, that's a sneaky one right there. What else we got? St. Louis Battlehawks bounce back after losing to DC in Week Five at home by defeating the Las Vegas Vipers in dominant fashion. <laughs> that is my other performer of the week. Is AJ McCarron, he's got, he went 23 for 29, 240 yards and three touchdowns. He did pretty damn good. Yeah, 
Adrian McCarron, I think what we're seeing is Adrian McCarron starting to gain confidence, and that we're starting to see them, them, them being St. Louis play more consistently as an offense. I, I think we're starting to see them come together. Last, uh, he threw three touchdowns this week, the week four. 22 of 34, 236, two touchdowns and interception. I think we're starting to see that offense get better. I agree. And, I, I agree. And St. Louis is one of those teams that if this offense continues to improve the last three, four weeks of the season, I think they're going to be really dangerous heading into the playoff. But there's been times where I've been very disappointed with A.J. McCarron, and he just doesn't perform. And, and that's been part of his problem is that there's there seems to be a lack of consistency over the course of an entire game, and I feel like it's kind of cost St. Louis a little bit. And they can't; they're not really. I don't feel like they play to their potential until they get late in the game, and their back kind of gets put up against the wall. Right. I think this this was this game versus Vegas was what you want to see out of Edge McCarron consistently, and if he can play like this going to the last three four weeks of the season. They're going to put themselves in a good position to have a chance to win the XFL championship. And I just want to say, yeah, he did perform fantastic this week, but he was also sacked three times. And for being as mobile as he is, I'm surprised he was sacked at least more, at least more, more than twice, actually. But, I mean, just being as mobile as he was, I'm surprised. But, I mean, is this, do we just chalk this up because it's the Vipers and that's why they got to win or, or what? Well, I'm, the Vipers, they've, just been, they've, been, they've been inconsistent. They've had games where they've been competitive. Then they've had games where they've kind of gotten blown out, and this is this one. It didn't it didn't go their way. I don't think it's I don't think it's time to panic or anything like that. But they're they're one in five. They've had some games that have been pretty close, and they haven't been able to finish off. I just I think a lot of it goes back to quarterback play and them just not having consistency there, which has been kind of their big issue, especially in this game. It was turnovers. You can't have those. I agree. And this is the worst loss for the Vipers that they've had all season. And, and, all season. If you look at it, this was probably the worst quarterback they've had. It played that Luis Perez, thirteen to twenty, ninety-nine yards, two interceptions. He just for whatever reason he just hasn't clicked with Vegas, and it just it just hasn't worked. Which is odd because Luis Perez has played. He's shown that he's been able to play pretty well in spring football <laughs> before. So I I don't know what it was, but it just didn't seem to click. And in the big news of this week, Luis Perez got traded from the Vipers to the Arlington Renegades. And I think he has a chance to be much better for the Renegades because the Renegades with Bob Stoops, they need someone who's a distributor who can, who can get the ball out and they know where they're going with each pass. I think having a clearer direction, I think Luis Perez with Bob Stoops, he, he will have a much clearer direction of what, I think they will be more in sync with what they want their offense to look like as opposed to Vegas, where it seems like they were kind of, they're still kind of figuring things out and they're trying to find out how they want their office to run, as opposed to Bob Stoops, where I think he and Bob Stoops will be on the same page and they'll have a unified vision of what they want their passing office to look like. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. That, why they didn't, why he, and Prez is a great, is, is a really good quarterback. I think he's the only quarterback, he's the only quarterback in spring football history to play for every single spring football league of the past five years. Um, and he's done well, except for now. So I'm really surprised that he hasn't clicked with them. But again, then you got to – something's wrong with Vegas. It, it could be the, the Rod Woodson Blues. You never know. <laughs> but for the Arlington Renegades getting Perez, Vegas got the linebacker from Kansas State, Ryan, uh, Ryan Mueller. I'm not sure how he is. You know more about college football than I do. Do you know anything about him? Not very much. Okay. Well, there you go. 
Now we got to see. Now they're starting. They're they're talking about starting um, McClendon, if I'm not mistaken. And, and just to get back to so to finish up the Vegas point, Vegas last week against Orlando, and Orlando, you know, not the greatest team in the world, but against Orlando, they ran for 123 yards, and then this week they ran for 43 yards. You Vegas has got to be a team that's able to stay balanced and run the ball if they're going to win, and their inability to run the ball, and then their and then their turnovers from their quarterback, it just that that's not going to win. That's not going to win you games. Right, and Jay, um. They're, the Vegas Vipers are good. They're going to start Jalen McClendon. They're, they're probably going to start Jalen McClendon this week, um, and because Brett Huntley's, I guess he's not playing again because he's injured. I mean, he's getting paid two hundred thousand dollars, and he's just been injury prone ever since he came since he got here. So that's surprising. But McClendon played for North Carolina State, and uh, now he's going to start this week. So that should be interesting to see how he performs. And he was hurt um, most of the season as well, but now he gets to start this week. So let's see how that goes. So good luck to Perez and good luck to McClendon and see, you know, where they can take their teams. Um, who else we got? Brahmas and Renegades. Yeah, Heinz Ward and the San Antonio Brahmas managed to pull out a win against Bob Stoops and the Arlington Renegades uh, by the skin of their teeth in a 15-9 win. Um, Arlington should have won that game. Yeah, Arlington just – it goes back to quarterback play. And I don't think Drew Plitt was complete – If he wasn't completely awful, but it just – he was he awful. Had a couple big throws. He had a couple big throws, and then it was kind of uneven after that. Well, I think he, that he, they had a beautiful pass to, to to Williamson. I mean that. I mean he just snagged out the air and brought it in for a touchdown. That was beautiful. Winningham. Willingham. Willingham. Yeah, yeah. Winningham. Winningham. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, I think I think Arlington needs a quarterback like Luis Perez, and I think it was a good trade for them because they need a distributor, and I don't think Drew Plitt or Kyle Sloter is. They're not guys that are going to be consistent distributors, quarterbacks, which I think Bob Stoops has been accustomed to in college. Is guys that can get the snap, get the ball out, and just be efficient. Drew right. Plitt in this game, I felt like you kind of saw the good and the bad of him where he's able to kind of make some big throws downfield, but he has an interception, and he's just overall kind of inconsistent and uneven with his play. I think Bob Stoops prefers, even if it's a, even if it's, the ceiling's a little bit lower on what your quarterback play is, he he prefers someone that's going to just be consistent. Well, and San Antonio got another quarter, another quarterback. Um, their quarterbacks just keep going down. And Jack Cohen was another one who went down last week. So they got Kurt Benkert from Virginia. And I believe the Packers may have got him at first. And then he was sitting at home last week and he got the call and came in three days for prep and started and got in the game and, Won a game. He's well. He was a strong one of six for two yards and in an interception. Yes. And then Jawan pass played. He was eight of 14, 57 yards. Really, this game came down to San Antonio being able to run the ball a little bit, and they were just able to be. They were just, I think, able to be more efficient than Arlington. This game wasn't San Antonio's defense. This game was a lack of production by the Arlington's offense. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Ar- Arlington should have won this game. They just didn't capitalize on their opportunities. That, I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah, and I could tell Bob Seuss was pissed, and then <laughs> he's one of the only coaches I've ever seen. When you're Arlington, you can't afford to blow chances. And then in no. this game, San Antonio had a defensive touchdown. That was really the difference in the game. They kicked three field goals. They, they ran the ball a little bit, kicked three field goals, and then San Antonio had a defensive touchdown. That gives you 15 points. And if you're Arlington, you had some nice plays offensively, but – 25 carries, 79 yards. That's not going to get it done. And then with the quarterback play, they had some nice throws, but we're only 16 to 29, 170 yards, a touchdown and a pick. 
they just San Antonio. San Antonio won this game because they didn't make as many mistakes as Arlington did. Correct. I agree with that. And Kyle Stoddard's fired or released, whatever you, however you want to call it. He's gone. I don't know if we brought that up yet, but I want to make th- make sure that we got that, that understood. <clears throat> so what else we got? Um, so that was the good. We got the Sea Dragons. We got the we covered the Battle Hawks. We covered the San Antonio Brahmas. Um, Orlando. Now the bad. Houston Roughnecks are, we're going to the bad. The Houston Roughnecks are still in the lead of their division, but they've lost two straight to D.C. and Seattle. Now they may have a, con- uh, a quarterback controversy, as, I, as Jesse and I were talking about earlier, between Brandon Silvers and McDonald. So that, that should, be, should be interesting of where that goes. I mean, is it D.C.? Is, I mean, is it Houston's defense that's bad? Is it their offense that's not efficient? I, I mean, one can make the argue that it's both, right? Yeah, I think I think they've been, their play's just been uneven. I think the biggest thing going with Houston is that I don't think they're getting what they fully want from the quarterback, uh, from the quarterbacks, and I think it's kind of bleeding into their defense. Right. That they, they 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 had the turnover from Brandon Silvers. He kind of looked uneven, and Cole McDonald came in and he tried, but. In this game versus DC, they it just felt like they got behind by too much that they weren't able to come back. And then you look at the week before, it was a loss to Seattle when Ben DiNucci throws three interceptions and they're unable to score. So I really think if you look at Houston, I would identify it as they just need more consistency from their offense and they will recover and they'll be able to get back to what they were the first four weeks of the season. Well, I think it's also bad that Houston lost their, their number one receiver and John Trey Kirkland and he's out for the rest of the season. So I think that's also hurting hurting Brandon Silvers where he doesn't have that that relationship with his receiver like he does Kirkland and he knows when he, he knows when he's down he could just hit him up and he's there and he's there and he's there when he's he looks not like there anymore. Yeah. I think that's a bit I think that's been the problem with Silvers is he's looked less sure of himself than he did the first month of the season. Absolutely. And he's been Kirkland's been off for the past two games. <clears throat> so going forward they're going to have to do something because if they lose another one, now they're in definite trouble. But you got Deontay Burnett, who's done, who's doing pretty well. Um, Travell Harris is doing pretty well. And that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So they got two people from Houston in the, in the top six of receiving, which is good. Yeah, I think when it comes to Houston, what you want is just you, you have to get more consistency <laughs> out of your quarterback. Out of your quarterback, uh, just overall, and I think they had a bad game against DC, but DC is also a really good team. I think Houston is. I think Houston overall is a good defense, but they they can't overcome a bad offense. And I think what you saw against DC is that they they made a few mistakes, and their defense isn't going to be able to overcome that. No, you said it right. They're bleeding into one another. They're meshing together, and it's not good mesh. And against and against DC, they just got down big, and you could kind of feel that they they were never really right the entire game. The DC kind of had control the entire game, even with Cole McDonald making big plays. DC felt like they always had a grip on the game. Right, and the bad thing is Brandon Silver's threw a pick six. It's hard to overcome a pick six when you give up. I mean, you're giving up points, free points, and it goes back to Jordan Tommy. You always feel like Jordan Tom is in control, even when he's not having a big game. Correct. When when you have a quarterback that 
plays like they're always in control and they are in control, that's big for a team because they never they never get shaky. They're always going to feed off the confidence of their quarterback. I agree with that. That's, a, that's an excellent point because you're always worried about what he's going to do. What's going to happen when it comes to Tomo? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, just just to finish it up. Jordan Tomo is really – he has become the most important player, I think, in the XFL just because he is willing to change his role from game to game. Some game it's going to be him being the hero and having to put up big numbers. Some games it's just going to be him managing the game. And when your quarterback's willing to do that, it it puts you at an advantage because they're always calm and they're always collected, which – when you are that calm and collected, your team feeds off that, and they, much like how they take the personality of their head coach, they also take the personality of their quarterback. Absolutely. Okay, and now we got, we covered the Josh Gordon factor, where he's not a factor. The fucking ugly, the Vegas Vipers just aren't clicking. We already hit that one. Um, hum, Hunley will not start week seven. Um, Jalen McClendon will. Luis Perez has been traded to the Arlington Renegades. Darlington um, Arlington's Renegades offense is absolutely horrible, and they are an ugly three and, and three. But with Luis Perez at the helm going forward, and the release of Kyle, sort of things should get interesting for that offense. Um, I forgot to mention the Vipers elimination scenario. Here it is: the Vegas Vipers will be eliminated from the XFL playoff contention if Vegas loses to the San Antonio Brahmas on Saturday, or. St. Louis Battlehawks beat the Houston Roughnecks on Friday, and Seattle Sea Dragons beat the Arlington Renegades on Friday. So, I don't know. That might be a typo from somebody, but this is coming from XFL Zone. That's not me, that's them. But that's the scenario that's there. DC will clinch a playoff berth if DC beats the Orlando Guardians on Saturday, or St. Louis Battlehawks lose to the Houston Roughnecks on Sunday. I think that's what they meant to put in the last one. And Seattle Sea Dragons lose to the Arlington Renegades on Friday. So this should be a lot, a lot going forward. Um, the standings for for the North, you have DC six and zero, St. Louis Battlehawks four and two, Seattle Sea Dragons four and two, Vegas Vipers one and five. But for the South, you have the Roughnecks, Houston four and two, Arlington Renegades three and three, San Antonio Brahmas two and four, Orlando Guardians zero and six. So it's about to get interesting. And I hope that both the, the worst two teams win both their games. So that should tell you who I'm going for coming up in the next uh, predictions. You got the games up, Jess? Yes. Uh, what's the games? We're going to start off with, on on Friday, Seattle, the Seattle Sea Dragons go to Arlington to play the Renegades. Seattle is a five-point favorite. I'm going Arlington. I will go Arlington because I don't like what I've seen out of Bendinucci. He could very well get himself right, but I'm interested to see what Arlington comes out with. And I, I do think we'll see a little bit of Luis Perez. And if they can just. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I feel like if Arlington can start off fast in this game, and kind of force Beninucci to throw the ball 40 times, I feel like that's in Arlington's favor because I do think Beninucci's going to probably have a couple turnovers in this game. I agree with that. If you're betting, I'd bet two two turnovers minimum. Um, I also want to see um, 
whoever the other backup is behind Drew Plitt, um, they said that he looks just like the dude from Remember the Titans, Sunshine. Mm. You know who I'm talking about? I don't know who the quarterback here is, but I guess I know I've seen Remember the Titans. Okay, yeah, they said that the backup quarterback behind Drew Plitt, if Luis Perez doesn't start, um, they um, Bob Stoops wants to see how he plays, and they said he's really, really good. And this is coming from a lot of people online. So I was interested to see, you know, what that guy was actually all about. Um, and, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if we're going to move to the next game, Saturday, San Antonio Brahmas at Las Vegas Vipers. Vegas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over San Antonio. I'm hoping Vegas wins. I want to see Vegas win. I hope that um, McLennan dude is actually pretty good and he could turn things around for them and make it a tight race because I don't want, I want to see everybody still have a chance. I don't want them to be done because then it's kind of, okay, well, now just some scouts are going to look at them because now that's all they're playing for instead of they can't play for anything more than that, which is huge, but people want to win. They're athletes. They want to fucking win. Come up with a win, guys. Let's do this. When it comes to this game, I think it's going to easily come down to who makes the mistakes and who runs the ball better. If the, the team that doesn't make mistakes and runs the ball better is going to win the game, it's basically that simple. Agreed. Then also on Saturday on Saturday evening, DC Defenders at Orlando Guardians. Orlando. Going with Orlando. Yeah, Orlando Guardians. I'm going with them. DC is a ten point favorite in this game. DC is a ten point. DC is a ten point favorite in Orlando against the Guardians. I may have to go to Kansas and make a bet. <laughs> and that uh, game starts at five o'clock on Saturday. That's crazy. I think it's. I think this game is really interesting. I think the Guardians get them. I just. I have a weird feeling. They're they're six and zero. Oh, they've been playing their best football, but I I think Orlando's just going to be able to throw some stuff at them. I think they're gonna. I mainly think it's because they're playing an undefeated team. This late in the season, I think they're going to throw a lot at D.C., and I think they'll be able to get them. I agree. So I'll say this. I'm going for Orlando, but if D.C. wins, they're going to win all the way out. They're going to go. They're going to win 10 straight games. This game is a classic trap game. Yes, it is. Undefeated team versus a winless team. The winless teams had a bunch of quarterback problems, problems with their coaches. This, this would be the game if D.C. is going to lose. I think this is the game. I, I agree. This is this this reminds me of the Patriots versus Buffalo several years back. And the Patriots were a nine point favorite. And then Buffalo came back and beat them by like twenty. So I mean this that's this is the game. And I hope what's the over under for this game? The over under for this game is forty five. That's the highest one I've seen so far, then. I, I say it's going to be over 50 or 60. The Brahmas and Vipers is 38 and a half. And Seattle uh, Seattle Sea Dragons and Arlington Renegades. The over-under for that game is 37 and a half. Okay, so that's, they're both low-scoring games, which means for some reason, Arlington and San Antonio, they seem to, to have low-scoring offenses, obviously. So that means that they're not going to be able to uh, have a high-scoring game. However, with the quarterback for San Antonio and the quarterback, whoever they may be, that may be for Arlington, you have three options here. San Antonio doesn't have many options besides Gert. Um, what is it, Blake? What? Gert, right? For San Antonio? Yeah. Their quarterback options are, well, the, the guy who finished the game was Juwan Pass. He was 8 of 14 for 57 yards for, for San Antonio last week. So, Kurt Benkert. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Kurt yeah, he, he was one of six for two yards and an interception. 
Well, he looks like he may be getting the start. So if he's good, he better show out next week because they're just going to have keep low-scoring games, which aren't going to be entertaining. So I'm hoping that the Vegas Vipers quarterback can really show out. So I'm expecting better games from each of these teams, and hopefully they're not low-scoring games. But back to to D.C. and Orlando, I expect that score to be 30-something, 30-something. And then our final game of the week is the St. Louis Battlehawk going to Houston to play the Roughnecks. In this game, Houston is a three-point favorite, and the over-under is 40, or 44. So it's the second highest over-under of the weekend, and Houston is a slight favorite at three as a three-point favorite. That's a tough one. I don't know who's going to win I that. Feel, I feel like this is overthinking it. I think St. Louis wins this game. Okay, I'm going to go Houston. I, 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 just, I don't trust Houston's quarterback play enough for them to win this game. I don't either, but they're at home. I trust Wade Phillips. I do think it'll be interesting because H. McCarron is a veteran quarterback. How he deals with some of the pressure and looks that Wade Phillips will throw at him. If he doesn't exactly. handle it, if he doesn't handle it well, Houston will win the game. If he's able to handle it, I think Scott or I think St. Louis wins this game fairly comfortably. I can see that. Unless Brandon Sobers and McDonald just just pull a DC and just complement each other so well, that'd be the only way they win. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Well, can't think of anything else. <laughs> What's your game of the week? I think it's the Battlehawks and the Roughnecks. I think I think it's probably the game between the two, the the a game between what I consider the two most evenly matched teams of this weekend. I think the Defenders and Guardians has a chance to surprise people, but overall, I think Battlehawks Roughnecks is a game between two even, fairly evenly matched teams. I'm giving my prediction for Seattle Sea Dragons versus Arlington Renegades for the game of the week. Mm-hmm. That's mine. Also, but, another game that features shaky quarterback play, which I could see some bad plays by either quarterback swinging that game. Well, I was going to say, Ben DiNucci throws two or three picks. That's, we're sold on that one. So I, I could see that happening. And then Arlington's defense just stepping up. Any other news you got? I'm trying to look for some more right now. Just I can't, I can't happen to. No, overall, I think this is a pretty interesting week. You have you have three games that I think are. I think going to be fun to uh, fun to watch because I think when it comes to DC and Orlando, I think it either be a close game or it's DC putting up a lot of points and then just showing that they are clearly the best team in the XFL and just the most dominant team in the XFL. Right. You, you have Seattle and Ar- you, you have Seattle and Arlington, and that's a game where you're not really sure what you're going to get from your quarterback play, but I think you have a lot of talent between both of those teams and good coaches. So I, I expect them to pull some stuff out. Battlehawks and Roughnecks, two evenly matched teams. It's a game that could swing either way. Brahmas and Vipers, I don't expect a lot out of that game. I think it's probably going to be fairly low scoring. But you never know with these games. Maybe there's some big plays. That's probably the game I look forward to least this week. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. The only thing is, I just, I've never seen the, the quarterback for the Vipers play ever. So I should, I, I'm really interested to see how that goes. Yeah, and, and that's where I think a lot of the intrigue is, is that both of these teams just have instability of quarterback. Right. Okay, what else we got? Um, We got a clip here of why Danny Garcia and the XFL decided to go with ESPN. If you want to hear it, I haven't heard it myself, but you want to give your reaction to it at all? I haven't heard it either. Okay, well, I'm going to play it right now. Just a second. And here we go. Disney as, as a company are really good is in giving the story of the game around the game, we call it. Right? How do you tell the story of the players' lives, what's going on with the coaches, I loved um, some innovation I saw around how the, you know, the replays happen and what that's mean in terms of, I thought that was brilliant. And so I think that, you know, was an interesting piece of how we think of the storytelling, because it is around, you know, the storytelling of the game and those players that really connects audiences. And so 
Is that why you chose Disney and ESPN to be the partner with XFL? Oh, it was, you know, it was hands down right from the beginning, this idea of who will be a partner who can handle, who not only handles, who masters this sort of context. And Disney was perfect. It was on my wish list from, you know, I want to buy the XFL. I would love if ESPN, Disney partnered with, I mean, it's literally one, two, not only from the work that I've been fortunate enough already to do with Disney through Seven Bucks and DJ and what we do now, but it's just, the XFL to me was a living, breathing property. There was so much more. We always talked about, we wanted to, we wanted to impact and advance and control everything that lives around the universe of the ball and take the lens and understand why these plays matter, why these players matter, why that loss, that win, what the coach was doing matters and how it impacts their lives and then how it will impact the lives of the fans. So when you want to make that commitment of heart and soul and the lens coming in in so many different angles, you know, Disney was the partner. And I think you could see that in the transparency, in the transparency provided by, by the network um, of ABC, ESPN, Disney as a whole, and Player 54, that's a that's a great docuseries. Um, I, I think you can see that, uh, of, and it may, I think it actually is the best partner. I would just love for them to put more games on, you know, ABC. Yeah, that, that's all, that, that's an interesting thing that is just distribution and where you can get your games on and, and how accessible the game is. Um, I do think it's interesting with the XFL because it all the games are on ESPN Plus. I think it's really something that the XFL is going to be tied to ESPN Plus just because if you're ESPN Plus, you need year-round content, and the XFL is content in a time that there's not a lot going on within the sports world. I, I think it's important to have it on there, but for the people who don't want to pay that, they can get their money because it's different advertisements on ESPN Plus versus ABC. Yes. You could see the difference just in that part. But as a it, consumer, I want to see access. It's an interesting thing to see kind of the mix between showing when you're when and where you're showing XFL games as opposed to, well, now you've got baseball commitments, you've got NBA commitments. If you look at how Week 7 spread out, Friday's game is on FX and ESPN Plus. Saturday, you have two games. The first game is... ESPN2 and then ESPN Plus. The second game uh, on Saturday night, Saturday evening, is on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And then Sunday, you have your game at 1 p.m. on ESPN and ESPN Plus. It, it's it's ESPN trying to find a way to, to get some spotlight on some of these games, but also they do have commitments to the NBA to at this I think right now we're going into the final four of women's college basketball and that, and now baseball starting so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of over the last or over the next few weeks which is why I still say that the rock and them have dropped the ball on marketing and advertising and everything else like that they've done a horrendous job at, at doing that aspect to grow the league uh, I think it, I think it matters a little bit less though I think the biggest thing for the XFL is showing that they can innovate and showing that they can draw. An, I don't think ratings matter as much for the XFL as long as they're on an ESPN Plus, because as long as they're on, as long as they have some type of presence on ESPN Plus, I think ESPN will keep them around because ESPN Plus is so important to their, it's a growing part of their business. They need content year round. 
and the XFL gives that to them. Well, there's a lot of people. Um, I remember about three or four weeks ago when the game was showing on FX, um, and I have YouTube TV. It wasn't broadcasting on there, so I had a, I called, I contacted Mike Mitchell, who's a pro football insider for the NFL, XFL, everybody. He knows everybody, and he he's the one who got that shit taken care of. And then probably about 20 minutes later, the game was on. So I asked him, "What are you watching on?" Because everybody kept asking me, "Well, what what are you telling? What what?" There's no way you have a problem because I'm watching it on my TV. I'm like, there's no fucking way. I'm pissed. They're going to lose me as a watcher, as a fan, because YouTube TV can't figure this shit out. But I didn't know it was just solely a YouTube TV, a, a solely a YouTube TV problem. I didn't know that. And I asked Mike, I said, where do you watch the game at? And he's like, I have ESPN Plus. That's where I watch the games on. And I contacted like eight of the people, and they said the same thing. It, it, the Expo is a huge part of ESPN Plus just because it gives them – at what this point it's going to be 12 weeks of content 10 weeks of the regular season the semifinals and then the championship game that's 12 weeks of content for espn plus in a time where the sports the sports doc is very thin and i think that's i think that's the xfl's biggest thing is can they add to a streaming service like espn plus and i think the answer for right now is yes and which is why they're coming back for a second season do you see any more games being flexed as we head down the stretch of the season? And I mean flexed by switching from FX or ESPN to ABC. Yeah, I, I can see it. Uh, as of right now, going going into week eight, well, so looking ahead <laughs> at this point from week seven to week eight. There's uh, only one game. And that's, uh, that's Houston Roughneck to San Antonio on April 9th for uh, ABC. Well, but the other two games are on ESPN, regular ESPN. So I do think that's interesting that the only game on ESPN2 is going to be DC Defenders in Seattle Sea Sea Dragons. If there is a game to be flexed, it would be that game. It should be that game. As of right now, three of the four or three of the four games are either on ABC or main ESPN. So I do think that's they're giving it I think they're showing a effort to get the XFL onto the main ESPN channel or ABC. Right. Well week nine you have the Vipers at the Roughnecks on, on a Saturday at 11.30, our time, on ABC, and that's it. The rest of them are ESPN2, ESPN, and ESPN, which is good. <laughs> and they're back-to-back games, so that's a good thing. So, so if you look at it, it's it's really, there's only a couple of games. And it's really, if through the rest of the season, through the rest of the regular season, it's only about a, one game a week that's going to be on ESPN2. For the most part, they've done a pretty nice job trying to keep it accessible. They have, but if I was them, I would have flexed, I would flex my games that have St. Louis to ABC. Yeah, I, I, you wonder kind of what goes into the scheduling and what AB commitments ABC has on a given weekend. I, I do find that interesting. And I think going into next year, I think this this season is going to give the XFL and ESPN an opportunity to kind of experiment and learn what works and what channels do best for each game. Right, when. Now, do you think that's going to rub people wrong, uh, wrong, rub people the wrong way? Meaning that these legacy sports people who have been here forever, NCAA, NFL, or not NFL, but well, NFL Combine stuff, um, NBA, soccer, these legacy leagues, you think they're going to get pissed if they try to f- flex their games off to another one network and then have them come over or what? I mean, at this point, there's not really many leagues running. You have the NBA, which is winding down this regular season. You have baseball just starting up. The Expo is kind of in a spot where 
and I think it's why they're important to ESPN as of right now is it's a dead period in sports where you need something like the XFL to be something you can promote and give time to. Right. Well, you know, Oliver Luck, um, the former commissioner of the league in 2020, he said, all we need is 20% of the market of the NFL. And he said, we will last a lifetime. I think he's right about that. Yeah. Especially at this point in, especially at this point in the sports calendar, there's just, there's not a lot going on. The NCAA, the NCAA tournament is really a two-week tournament. It's only a two-week tournament, and then you start getting to the Final Four and then National Championship game. Really, you can make a case it's a one-week tournament where you have a bunch of games for four days. Then it becomes a game where they're trying to get singular games into singular time slots and not really overlap them. Right. And this is really a time in the sports calendar that you need something like a XFL. Now, now, do you think next year there's going to be a shit ton more games on ABC? I don't necessarily think so. Really? I, I, I don't necessarily think so because you also have ABC where you're working with different, you're, you're working with different commitments and what I think we might see more games on main ESPN. And if you're ESPN, that's kind of where you want the games to be at. Because they make more money when it's on the main ESPN as opposed to splitting it with ABC. Right. So I think we'll see main, more main ESPN games. See, I, I would like to see more games on, on ABC. They peaked over, they finally got back over a fucking million views this week because they had a game on ABC, which was a Guardians game. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to see that because I want to see consistency. I want people to love this league as much as I do. But they'll never do that if they don't have access to it. Or, and I think if, I or think on the bad side because of the fucking Rock and, and Danny Garcia and them. Because they don't know it's, it's it exists. Well, I th I think part of the thing is though you their relationship with ESPN is important because ESPN gives them stability more so than I think a USFL because ESPN has ESPN Plus and as long as the XFL is filling up content time for ESPN Plus they're gonna always be in a good spot. Right. So I think I think it, yes you want to have you want to have a lot of viewership and you want to have your games that are on ABC do really well. But as long as they are taking up and eating up space on ESPN Plus, I think they're in a good spot. Well, see, I think that there's gonna have there's gonna be some crossover. I believe what's the date? Um, April sixteenth. So April sixteenth, that game, which is on, which I think is why they did it, uh, the Vegas Vipers in Week Nine versus the Houston Roughnecks. That game starts at eleven thirty Central Time, which is our time, on ABC. It's going to go up head-to-head -head against the USFL. So that should be interesting to see. Uh, excuse me, I apologize. What the viewership is going to be for that game and the USFL game, USFL's game. Uh, yeah, and, and I think I think if you're the XFL, you want to outrate them. I think the biggest thing for the XFL, though, is that they've seemingly found something with ESPN, and they've, they found a stable partnership where ESPN can kind of move the XFL games around. They can get pretty good numbers. And they can also use it as something that gets people to sign up for ESPN Plus. Right. Or at least keep ESPN Plus in a period where they may not otherwise keep it. Well, and there's people who don't even have access to ABC, CBS, NBC, or anything like that. So, I mean, I could see why that's a plus. But if it's on ABC, just put it on ABC. Those people who are still going to be able to watch it on ESPN Plus will still be able to watch it on ESPN Plus 
even if they don't have access to watch it on ABC. The casual yeah, I, viewers always going to watch football. I, I think it's scheduling commitments. Like you're not going to be able to get all the games on ABC because there's different commitments that ABC has that aren't necessarily in line with what ESPN wants to put on ABC. I right. just think it's 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 a it's it's going to be there's going to be conflicts just because of things various things going on at different times of the year. See, this is why I think that they need Vince. I think that the Rock and them panicked because they basically gave ESPN the rights where they can't go anywhere else, or at least spread it out enough. Well, I don't. I don't think if you're the XFL, you need to be in other spots other than if ESPN is willing to keep you around. I think you're okay. Uh, the the worst thing you could have is then be on a CBS or or a Fox or ESPN, and it's hard to find games. Now they're in one spot where if you have ESPN Plus, you have access to all the games. Or you can, if you have traditional TV, you can find them pretty much in an easy spot. They're usually on, three of the four games are either on ESPN, ABC, or FX. Very, there's very few games that are on ESPN too. Right, but I was going to say, I think they messed up where they could have spread it out more to, to gain more viewership and gain more followers and then retain the followers, those viewers, by putting it on something else like an NBC, who also has the Peacock Channel app. I don't. I think that's not spreading it thin. That's spreading ESPN, it everywhere. ESPN is a more stable service to have it on than trying to put it on three different streaming services. I think it's better just to have your deal with ESPN than trying to put it on a bunch of different services. You have it in one spot, and you know it's within a network of family of channels. Yeah, but I think I think that's a cop out because the NFL spread all over so many channels. The NFL is way more popular than the XFL. Though. Yeah, but at the same time, if you do it that way, that's how you gain more followers. Yeah, the the XFL is a different spot because every game in every home market is available over on over the air television. So if you if you live in a market with an NFL team, you can always get the game for free if you have access to an antenna or a digital antenna, or if you have a stream, whether it's YouTube TV or you just have cable or satellite, you're always able to get the game. You could get the game for free as opposed to the XFL, which is it's mainly on ESPN. And you, you have to have a, you either have, either have to have ESPN Plus or you have to have some type of cable package to access all the games. The right. NFL, they're so popular, they're able to eat up all that time on <sighs> over-the-air television, at least in, within a home market for a team. Do you think next, next year we're going to get – um, an intro show for these games. That's always hard to say because I they have it's hard to say because I it, it, it's something extra that the network has to produce, and typically a lot of these networks are and right now they're in cost cutting measures. So I don't necessarily see that happening unless it's something the XFL produces and they pay for it. Well, they're not even paying for marketing, so I don't see that one happening. So it wouldn't shock me if maybe the XFL has like a YouTube preview show or something. But as of right now, I don't see ESPN Plus having like a lead-in show for these XFL games. Well, the, X the ESPN has the XFL today, which is a YouTube show. Have you watched that at all? No. It's fantastic, but it's only for the last game. It airs before the last game of the week, which is and what I, do I don't think, like. I, do, I, I want I want somebody to break down football to me to what we just watched or what we're getting ready to watch. And I think when you just turn a game on and then it's out. No other league has that. They don't do that. You have that with soccer. You have that with baseball. You have that with, with football. Come on. The Expo is not a spot, though, where they're really looking – to try to spend 
more money than they have to to produce content. I think they're in a spot where, and ESPN too, I don't think they're looking to really do that unless there's a demand for it or they end up signing a long-term TV deal with them. Well, I mean, I can see that, but I don't know. Well, if you check out the XFL Today, the XFL Today is actually a really good show. Um, and you've seen a lot of the people on this. If you ever check it out, it's, it's pretty damn good. And they're very, they're very funny. They're, it's a, just a great setup. But if they had that more, if they had more of that, I think I would be probably happier. I don't really think if you're, I don't really think if you're ESPN though, you're really thinking about we need the supplementary content. What you're looking for is just the actual content, which is the games. And I think they see that as being that being worth it by itself. It's well, okay, just to, it's easier just to have the game. I'll give this to you. If in the first five years, that's what you think. Okay. If this fucking league lasts 30 years and you still don't have that, you're doing me a disservice. But and you're doing point, the league a disservice. At that point, if you're, uh, let's say it's around in another three or four years, that means that ESPN's committed to having the league and that they'll, they'll probably develop something. Sure. It probably won't be in, it probably won't be like an over the air ESPN show, but it, whether it's an ESPN plus show or some type of ESPN YouTube show, they'll probably develop something around it, but it's going to have to be around for a couple of years. And there's going to have to be some sign of long-term investment for them to actually start producing more content around the XFL. Right. Okay. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. So what? what's your – where's your line in the sand? Are we saying three years and over? I think if you're the XFL, you need probably two or three years. You need two or three seasons completed. Okay. And, I mean, I, I had a question I wanted to ask you. <laughs> For the longevity of this league to to survive, you need a quarterback like AJ McCarron who's going to stay here for as long as he can, right? Oh, uh, you need a consistent player, a big name player who's going to be like, that's think, him. I He's in that I league. I don't necessarily know that it's about keeping big name players. I think it's about having coaches that you like, and they are able to develop talent that you can. They're able to cycle through talent, whether it's guys coming in and out or staying multiple seasons. I think it's about being able to have coaches that can take a guy who was at a smaller school or overlooked by people in the NFL draft. They come to the Expo and they're able to develop them into fringe type NFL prospects. And then they're able to just keep doing that and repeating that process. That that's how the Expo survives is their ability to have coaches maximize the players they have coming in and out. See, I don't know if it was you who told me or somebody else the other day, and they said that the XFL is already signing people up to come to come back for next season. Uh, I've I've not heard anything like that, but it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they're already trying to get people signed up for next season because uh, they're already trying to sign up people who they think well, okay, for the most part, these guys probably aren't going to make it. They may maybe they may need a one more season or something like that, or they got hurt and you know we want to sign these guys. We like these guys. I'd rather them play for me than play for anybody else. I think they're doing that already. Well, I thought you told me that, but I did hear that. The, I know I heard it. The thing about the x is just being able to convince guys who are fringe roster guys to not maybe take a deal immediately to be on a team's 90-man roster at the end of the season, but to play uh, play spring football and try to parlay that into getting signed to an NFL team. Right. That maybe they're willing to take a take a contract with, I don't know, the Texans just because they're on that roster as opposed to playing a season in the XFL and maybe having a little bit firmer of a roster spot in on a team like the Lions or Browns. Right. And it's it's going to be a, it's going to be a matter of it, some of it's also just going to be can 
oversee over the over a couple seasons, can you show development within a player? And how how do your quarterbacks look? You're gonna need somebody like a Jordan Tomlin to be able to make an NFL roster to show some of these guys that hey, if you come to the XFL, you're gonna get coaching and development, and that can springboard you to getting a spot in the NFL. Yes, especially if you're a quarterback, where we can take a guy, get him reps, get him coaching, and they're able to make a team's 53 man roster. That that would be massive if a quarterback or two could make a NFL team coming out of this XFL season. No, I, I agree with that 100%. And, I mean, and, that, and that's fair. Now, if this league does last, and I, like I said, I hope it lasts for, forever. Um, honestly, I really do. How long does Tamu need to stay here before? I know what you just said, but how long does somebody like him or um, Jacor Pearson need to, needs to stay here to show the NFL people that he's ready? He's put his time in. He's ready. He's been playing good football consistently. I mean, what what do they need to look for? What what do these guys need to do to prove themselves to these NFL scouts? My guess is a couple of these guys will actually get signed at some point in the offseason. Probably not before, probably not right after the XFL season ends. Probably sometime after the draft, maybe around June when teams are kind of looking at their roster because at that point you have you've drafted players, you've signed free agents, you've signed undrafted guys and worked them out, and they're on your roster. So at that point, you're either going to cut some of those guys, and you're going to maybe try to fill in with some XFL guys, or some veterans you signed at the end of the 2022 season. You take a look at them, you're like, ah, we're not really sure about them, and then you sign some XFL guys who you think might have a little bit more upside or ability to play immediately. Well, my, the number one person, well, number two, the two people who come to mind, it's Shakur Pearson, who leads, who lead, leads the league in receiving, for Seattle, and then Josh Gordon. Those are the two people that come to mind. Josh Gordon, I think, is going to be a little bit hard. Like I think I I could see a team signing him, but he was he kind of bounced around teams uh, during the season. He was with the Chiefs in the preseason. I think he's with Tennessee for a little bit. Correct. I, I think he would be less shocking if you need someone like a Jacor Pearson, you need someone like Jordan Tamu, maybe even a couple offensive linemen. You need to actually be in these camps and have opportunities to make NFL rosters. So you see, I'm, I'm just talking about just in general. You're talking about legitimizing the league. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's what you need is you want to show players who are either going to be undrafted in coming out of college or guys who have been in the NFL a little bit but haven't completely stuck on a roster that if they come to the XFL, they can get development and they're able to put fill they're able to put their tape out there and the guys who have put the tape out there have been able to get signed and have chances to make a roster in the NFL. That's what you need. See, I, and I, I also think that you need a, a, you need this league. I agree with everything you said. I think you need this league, which I think they need to take that aspect from what, what Vince McMahon said uh, in 2020 is we're going to try to get the best players here, no matter what you need to get a guy from Ohio state, a quarterback like Lincoln um, Keenholz and, and, and draw him here. Give him money. They're not getting paid there. Let them remind them you can get paid for doing this shit. Well, I mean, at a different level, paid, and you don't have to go to school. If you don't you want to go get, to school, people don't. Not everybody's made for school. I, I think that could have worked ten years ago, but now with NIL, the, the big the big college recruits are gonna get anywhere from two to seven million dollars just in NIL money. This is something that could have happened maybe ten years ago. Now, money's just free flowing in college. To me, this is the XFL are for the fringe prospects, the guys who maybe didn't get a lot of look 
in the in the NFL draft, guys. I'm I'm thinking of quarterbacks, guys who are like the quarterback for South Dakota State, who's not getting a ton of look. You need to be going after him if he's got any type of talent or upside. And you need you need to be going after guys who are maybe a little bit overlooked at the NFL level and giving them opportunities to prove that they can play or at least put good film in a non-college environment. And how do you decide that? Like if you if guys who the NFL doesn't see, just that the coaches know that these guys are on the practice squad and they're probably not going to play because of what? Injury or or the XFL, the XFL is in a unique position because they start in the spring. That a lot of the guys that are on the practice squad are gonna usually kind of bounce around. It's about, I think it's about after the season ends. A lot of these guys get signed reserve deals. Some of them get cut before really even the season starts. So it's about trying to convince guys who would typically maybe sign a reserve deal or be free agents up until around early, like early June. Ooh. Guys who aren't really signed immediately. Or, or guys who are taking the reserve deals who are fringe-type players, you're convincing them to not take that deal and to play in the XFL in the spring so that they can better themselves headed into June when teams start to kind of add and fill out their roster. Okay, so you kind of didn't really answer my question then earlier. Do you see a quarterback like A.J. McCarron staying here in this league long-term? A.J. McCarron's interesting just because he's a guy that's been kind of a – he's been kind of a – back up and he's bounced around he he came to the expo to play so i could i don't really see him getting a starting job anywhere he could be a back if he wants to but if he really wants to play he's gonna play in the xfl okay so that being said so that you're, what i understand what you're saying is he's not gonna go anywhere he's gonna stay uh, here if he wants to continue if he wants to continue playing i would imagine he's gonna stay in the xfl because i don't see him as a starter in the nfl <laughs> okay so that's that that being said do you see can you see Luis Perez or Jordan Ta'amo moving to the next level? Or are they just going to be spring league quarterbacks? I think the best, I think Ta'amu probably has the best chance of any of these quarterbacks to get a job in the NFL, mainly because he came out young. And I think he's what, he's like 24 or 25. He's, yes. he's still a young quarterback. I could see a team investing a practice squad or, or a third string position in Jordan Thompson. Okay. So, no Perez either? <sighs> no, not as of now, no. I, I don't see a ton of these guys. Cole McDonald, someone who I think could also end up on an NFL roster. Just I, I agree. Something about his like his whole fucking presence, his face, well, he, reads he, he NFL. Got, he, he was a guy, I think he was like a later round draft pick, and I, th I think he got drafted by the Titans. He didn't really stick. This is important for a guy like him, who was a quarterback for Hawaii, Hawaii. He was a later round pick. He didn't stick with this first team. And now he's getting an opportunity to play. And you can see the athleticism. You can see some of his arm strength. This is important for someone like him because he's so athletic that I think a team will probably, whether it's quarterback or not, they'll try to get him signed up just to have him on the roster, see what they can do with him. Oh, fuck. I mean, you, you figure, can, let's, I'm just going to try to read off some of the teams in my head. From this past season, going into next season, who, next season, who are going to need backup quarterbacks, right? Yeah. The Raiders, the Titans, the Jets, the Ravens. Yeah, you have Zach Wilson. No, the Jets have Zach Wilson. Oh please, he's injury prone now. They're gonna they're gonna trade for Aaron Rodgers, and then you're gonna you're gonna have you know good old Zach Wilson as your backup, <laughs> former number two pick in the draft. Um. Anyways, the Commanders. 
Who knows about that quarterback that quarterback situation? Uh, to me, I think the biggest part of this is going to be if the NFL passes the third quarterback rule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If if they end up passing a third quarterback rule, I do think we're going to see a lot of teams go back to keeping three quarterbacks, which could get someone like Cole McDonald or Jordan Tomu on an NFL roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because look what happened. All the teams I just named are teams that fucking had horrible quarterbacks. Or, or even, even if it doesn't get them on the roster, it's going to get them on a practice squad. Because yeah. the team's going to want to keep the third quarterback around because they can keep him active. But, I mean, we went on the previous po- couple podcasts we, we've done this year. I mean, look at the fucking people who have went down. We, I, we already covered it, but you figure the Jets, the Titans, the Raiders, the 49ers, the fucking um, Panthers, the Saints. Who else is in that? The fucking Falcons. I mean, the whole league was fucked up this year. And they all needed a good quarterback. But those quarterbacks didn't have any fucking reps underneath their belt. Well, I mean, you have Nate Peterman still in the league, so you can clearly back quarterbacks can be improved if Nate Peterman's still running around the league. <sighs> Shots fired. Shots fired. But I mean, don't I make a legitimate point though? Yeah, no, you especially if a third quarterback rule gets passed, teams are gonna wanna beef up their talented quarterback and they may be willing to keep guys that can do something like a Cole McDonald or Jordan Tommy, someone who can move around a little bit, who's got a skill set that in a pinch you could use at quarterback. I heard Sam Bradford's coming out of retirement. So, I mean, I wouldn't sign him at all. He gets injured every time he steps on the field. So, I mean, his, his fucking backup quarterback, his backup contract's probably going to be like $185 million. So, I mean, these guys have a chance. I mean, Sam Bradford, he hasn't like he's played in the league in multiple years. I don't. I don't think he's a realistic option as a backup quarterback. You combine him not playing in the league in a few years, combined with his injury concerns, he would be the worst backup quarterback. He'd be like having Teddy Bridgewater, but even more brittle. As yes, backup. yes. But I'm just saying, he didn't. He wasn't taking any reps after being a fucking backup for a while. You figure who was a fucking backup for Tom Brady? He went to Missouri last season. Yeah, I believe it was either Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Blaine Gabbert, yeah, the fucking man. I mean, you're talking about a great fucking job, a great gig. That's the opinion. Yeah, uh, when it comes to backup quarterbacks, there's not a lot of great backup quarterbacks. Backup quarterback is a position where you're going to constantly constantly see teams kind of overturn it. And if there are guys in the XFL that show any type of upside, I do think there are opportunities in the NFL. Because you, every team is always looking for quarterback. Right. Okay. Well, uh, you got anything else, Jess? think that about wraps it up it was a great show um are you gonna write are you coming out with any articles to let people know or or what's going on with with that part you got anything coming out we're gonna come out with a free agent article kind of looking in the nfl at some of the top free agent signings and if the fits are actually good or not <laughs> i like that and i got one coming out um i had one coming out but i don't know what happened to it so now i gotta rewrite it again about whether or not the these coaches in the xfl are gonna be there season two um, so that's what I'm aiming for on top of some other stuff regarding the XFL. And, um, we've got some other stuff, other content coming out, maybe post WrestleMania, um, lead analyst, Jesse J is going for the first time ever. So congratulations to him. Hopefully you get to meet the boss, Vince McMahon, and, uh, let me know, take a picture with him. I'll be excited to see him. And, uh, ask him if he wants to adopt a son. I'm here. I'm ready. But thank you guys. Please check out our work coming up the next few weeks whether it's our podcast on the referendum or 
articles on finflamsports.com. Please subscribe to our website, get the latest updates, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Jesse, I'll talk to you soon. Yep, take care of yourself. You don't, you don't, you don't. We need to make a change one day.